Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Dustoff, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. Hey everybody, this is Chelsea. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is presented by the Bob Feist Invitational and BFI Week. The BFI is the masters of the sport of team roping, and this year it celebrates its 42nd anniversary on June 24th. The crown jewel of BFI Week, the Feist, is flanked by ropings for the whole family, with hundreds of thousands in payout from June 21st to 27th. Stay tuned for more info about BFI Week later in this episode. Patrick Smith officially retired Amigo, his sorrel 20-year-old big need gelding, earlier this winter. He's now turned out at Smith's Lipan, Texas Ranch, enjoying retirement after a career that spanned nearly two decades and shaped the career of his two-time world champion owner. Amigo, who's registered with the AQHA as Sunday Night Bingo, won the AQHA PRCA Heel Horse of the Year title in 2007, right alongside Walt, and that's the iconic head horse of Travis Tryance, who, by the way, will be our next special horse feature. He won titles everywhere from the Bob Feist Invitational to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, and Amigo even helped Trevor Brazil win $100,000 or more, probably, at the Lazy East Cinch Timed Event Championships. Patrick is one of the good ones in so many ways, but particularly because of the credit he gives to his horses through his success. There's nobody better to tell you about one of the greatest heel horses of the generation than Smith. So, enjoy. Amigo is a 1999 model. In the fall of 2006, I was looking for a heel horse pretty heavily. I had Jaws, the horse that I won my first world title on, and he had had a lot of soundness issues over the past few years, and uh, I knew that I had to find something else that, you know, that could help me get, get down the road and compete. Not always easy to do, so I started looking and making calls, and it's funny when you start doing that, you start getting a lot of calls. So I tried dozens and dozens of horses, and I went to David Key's house to try a hill horse and tried this horse of a friend of his. Uh, I liked the horse actually a lot, and there was another guy there roping with me named Conley Donnell. Well, Conley was there, and I was riding out on this horse that I'd been trying, and I looked over at the trailer, and this sorrel horse was tied to the trailer, and I asked him, I said, what's that horse? And he said, man, he's just a five-year-old, really cool, but a little bit green. And I'd driven, you know, three hours down there, so I said, well, is he for sale? And he's like, yeah, I'd sell him. So we went and saddled him up, and I ran one steer on him and my wife Christy was videoing on the fence at that time and I'd run probably 10 or 12 steers on the other horse I was trying and at that point the first horse I was trying I made an agreement with the owner that I was going to take the horse home for three or four days and ride him and vet check him and things like that and make sure I wanted to buy him so I was pretty committed to the one I'd ridden before I ran one steer on him and I remember riding by the fence and Christy says I like that one and he was a lot you know, he was more on the green side. He hadn't been to any rodeos. He'd just been to a few jackpots and maybe some amateur rodeos, but hadn't been to any pro rodeos or anything. So I run several steers on him that afternoon, and he did really good on some and not so good on some. The green side of him showed up, you know, just not knowing. 
but I left without him, truth be told, and loaded the other horse, was headed home, got about 20 miles outside of town, and Christy kept saying, man, I really liked that other horse. There's just something about him. I liked him. I said, I did too. So we pull over on the side of the road, on the shoulder, and I call Conley. I said, man, I've got a question, and if you don't want to do it, it's no big deal, but is there any way I could take that horse with me too for a few days and let me ride him? He was like, sure, come back and get him. So I turned around, went back and got him, and uh, needless to say, spent the next three or four days riding and made my decision to go with Amigo and um, kind of questioned my decision a little bit when it came time to go to the first rodeo because he hadn't really been to a rodeo, and he didn't work real great at his first rodeo. He was a little nervous and hadn't been anywhere, you know, but, uh, man, he turned that around really quick for me. My my moment to know that he was going to be a great one was actually the following year in 2007. That was the first year that I started roping with Trevor Brazil, and I had ridden him a little bit uh, in the fall of 2006. And again, he was pretty green and didn't know everything. But just starting out at rodeos, Odessa didn't go great. I rode him at Waco at the uh, Texas Circuit Finals. That was actually the first place that I rode the horse, um, and he did pretty good. But by about the time Fort Worth and Denver and all that stuff was going on, I just noticed that he was catching on. I mean, he, he enjoyed it. He, like I said, tried hard every single run and just kept getting sharper. Seemed like every run I got more confidence in him and he got more confidence in what we were doing. And I started, you know, smiling inside knowing that, man, this, this is working. I made the right decision here for sure. And, uh, it was actually that year that he won Hill Horse of the Year. Well, the one thing he did really well is he tried hard at everything he did. It just seemed like he was a pleaser. He didn't know what to do, but he wanted to do whatever you wanted him to do. He just didn't know what it was yet. And it seemed like no matter what I asked him, he may not react quick enough for it yet, but he would uh, three or four runs into it. It seemed like every run I made on him, he just got better and better. And um, like I said, he just needed experience. I mean, there was nothing more than needed to be around the lights and you know, the warm-up track next to the Ferris wheel and the blowing bag of shavings across the parking lot or shavings bag, you know, and he just had his little quirks just like any you know, five- or six-year-old would be at the rodeos. But, uh, man, he was a fast learner, and that horse has always done nothing but try to help me win. So in, when I did buy Amigo, yes, my career was still really young. I, I just won my first world title with Clay Trine, and... Um, didn't really know where we were headed. I lived in Midland, Texas. Uh, we had an A-frame house that was 525 square foot, and it was two stories. And that 525 is including the top story. And for those of you that don't, don't know what an A-frame house is, it's the roof that's pointed like this, and it goes all the way to the ground with a door in the middle. Our washer and dryer was in a storage building behind our house, and there was no back door because it would have been in the way of the kitchen. So you had to walk out the front door and walk all the way around and go into a storage building to do laundry. And um, Amigo was there in one single pen. I had a practice horse, and I had uh, him there. And, man, what, a, what an amazing story to have something like him. Like I said, that it didn't matter if I was going to a 3-for-20 jackpot or if I was going to the BFI. He's the one I stuck the halter on and loaded him up and took him to the rope and to the rodeo. And, he helped me build my career and financially get to the point where I could move out, <laughs> move into a house that had a laundry room inside, things like that. So he's done a lot for me and Christy and, and our family.
what sets Amigo apart from other horses to me is it's a long list of things. I mean, he's a horse that I can put my kids on. Um, he can run. Um, he scores well. He, you can, you hear people talk about horses and they say, you know, they're good in every setup. I'm telling you, I cannot speak enough about that I could be high team back at the BFI and have 12 seconds to win it or something and can kick through and never in my mind, um, it would never even cross my mind that he would do anything to take a throw away from me or not help me try to win. He just would do that. And I could literally ride back up into the box at the NFR and need to be three and you could be three. There's just no, uh, there's no buffer time in there at all with anything. He just reacts and he's, he knows how to open his stride up and run down the arena and shorten his stride up when he needs to. I mean, I've just got several runs in my mind that stand out of things like the year that I won first and second on him at the Hork Dog Classic in Vegas. Uh, I think it was me and Clay Tryon's first steer fell down. And I can't tell you how many horses that I've ridden and you know, that other guys have ridden that there's no way that the horse could have made the moves that Amigo made to keep me in the rope. And he literally slides and stops and in the same motion just crawls out of it and stays with the steers if nothing ever happened. I uh, wish we could get that clip to show it. But he, he's just so, the way he reacts to the steer, he's always in the right spot. Uh, his timing is so good in his stop. He's super strong to the saddle horn. Uh, he, he literally did not have a weak point when it came to making a run Gila. Amigo has had, he has to have had over 2 million miles put on him in his career. I mean, he has literally been everywhere. You know, like the song, I've been everywhere, man. He, he's got it. He's been there, done that, and got the T-shirt several times. Um, he was my only horse for a long time. I mean, you know, a lot of guys had, obviously I would have a backup horse, but if there was any way possible for me to have Amigo there, that's what I did. Um, kind of a cool stat is uh, I rode him 86 runs in a row at the National Finals Rodeo. Uh, I got off of him in 2015. I got off of him in 2015 and rode Little Kim just because Amigo was having a little bit of issues with that knee and was a little sore. Didn't feel like he was firing like he should. Um, but, man, thats I don't think there's very many guys that can say that they've run that many steers in a row at the NFR on a horse, and that's not the only rodeo I took him to through the year. Like I said, he's been a warrior for me. And, uh, from Odessa through December, I mean, his, his season would end September 30th and start again October 1st. So it's been a long road for him, lots of miles. So taking care of Amigo on the road definitely takes more, takes more time than just having a young horse that you throw on the trailer. But it's also taught me a lot about taking care of them while they're younger. Um, Obviously, technology's caught up with a lot of things and things like soft rides. Man, I wish soft rides would have been around in Jaws's day, or at least if, wished I would have known about them if they were, because it does save so much trauma to their joints and just being able to take better care of them and make them more comfortable on the road. And uh, the long hauls, the being tied on the asphalt at the rodeo, all of those things come into play. And that's something that I've noticed a lot in the last couple of years with Amigo. So, the hardest thing on him right now is standing still, uh, bringing him home and turning him out, leaving him alone for two weeks doesn't do him any, any good. It actually makes him go backwards. So he needs exercise um, and he needs to be got out of the trailer more often and moved around. And then obviously hard ground's a really tough deal on him. If I leave him tied on hard ground for 
two or three hours at a time uh, and then move him around you can definitely tell just gets kind of stove up and stiff but that's where soft ride comes into play that is our kind of ritual before we leave we may we get him up clean him up clean his feet really well get his soft ride boots on him and get him wrapped up and put him in the trailer and then stop and make sure we move him around really well on the road because if we do that and he's ready to roll when we get there Okay, before we go any further into this story, we've got to take a break to thank our sponsors, the BFI, for bringing you this week's episode of The Score. If you love great horses, great roving, and great company, there's absolutely nowhere else to be in June than Reno, Nevada for BFI Week, June 22nd to 27th. You'll love to see your heroes, like today's guest, Patrick Smith, who won the Feist in 2013 with Trevor Brazil. And then you'll get to see the up-and-coming talents who hope to make the BFI their big break. The history in the building is palpable, and there's nothing like the short round of the BFI to inspire your own roping. Speaking of your own roping, there's so much roping for you to do in Reno during the BFI week. From the World Series of Team Roping's High Desert High Roller at Ironwood Equestrian Center from June 21st to 23rd, and the Junior BFI Championships there June 22nd, to the Wrangler Patriot 11.5 on the 25th, the Cactus 9.5, and the 12.5 High Desert Showdown on the 26th, plus the Charlie One Horse All-Girl Championships on the 27th. There's absolutely nothing else like BFI Week in Reno. For more information and a full schedule, visit BFIWeek.com and follow the Bob Feist Invitational on Facebook. And remember, if you're stuck at home, you can catch all the action on the Wrangler Network. Don't worry, we'll be there too. So his injury started back in like 2011 it's been a it's been a long road um we were in nampa idaho and trevor and i were high team back at the rodeo we'd made two good runs and i'd get amigo out of the stall i think it was a couple days before the short round he was really sore and i took him to the vet clinic there um we got him on some anti-inflammatories and just checked him out and seemed like everything was good it actually kind of went away rode him in the short round and won the rodeo uh, took him to the next rodeo, got him out of the trailer, and saw some signs of it again. So got off of him for a little bit and got him home. Uh, Josh Harvey and Outlaw Equine, that's, he's been my go-to guy since that year. and Took him there, and we started x-raying and find out that he has a bone chip. And it had chipped off in his right front knee. Uh, so we did what we needed to do and had a surgery done on him, removed the chip, spent the time rehabilitating him and getting him back. And... Uh, got him back and rode him at two rodeos right back crippled again take him in it had chipped off on one side i don't know all the technical terms of how to explain what side it was but one side of that bone had chipped off now the other side of it chipped off so we had just went through all this time and effort and there was a decision to be made there do we want to do it again is it just going to keep chipping off what do we do obviously decided to uh, go ahead and do another surgery on him and remove that bone chip, got him rehabilitated, started riding him again, and then he had a, a tear in one of the ligaments in his left front ankle. And that was also something that we struggled with over a long period of time, just trying to get that healed and keep him healthy. But, man, he is – this horse is a warrior. I'm talking about we did everything we could to get him as sound as we could get him and at one point thought this is as good as he's going to get. And uh, But he was – 
plenty good. I mean, it wasn't like he was crippled by any means. He just couldn't perform at the level he did before. And rode him anyway at a lot of these rodeos just to try to break up some of the scar tissue and keep him moving and lots of exercise and swimming and, you know, pampered him like a barrel horse. My goodness, he got everything in the world. But we're out massaging his knee and his ankle every day and soaking him in the soft ride ice boots every day and just doing all these things to get him going. But it just seemed like the more we rode him and the more we exercised him, the stronger that those joints got and the better that he got. Well, part of uh, having a really good horse like Amigo, it's amazing. And like I said, it spoils you a little bit. You forget how, when I, when I started getting some younger horses, you forget how much time you have to spend on the younger horses. You know, Amigo, I could saddle 20 minutes before the team rope and lope a few circles and never cross my mind that I wasn't going to, it was on me to rope. It was on, it was on me to not make a mistake. And man, when you start getting on the different stuff, you need to be out there before an hour before slack starts, loping around, riding them in the box. They're looking at everything, you know, the Ferris wheel, the everything. They're just, they're, it's not the same. And uh, that's hindered me a little bit, losing, losing some of, you know, his physical ability. Uh, I maybe tried to ride him a little bit too much in some of the scenarios where he just physically couldn't do it anymore. But it's like an old tennis shoe, man. It's just, it just feels so good when I'm on him. The the memories and the and the feeling that you have, knowing that you can win, it's hard to get get by that and get on something different. But you know, time goes on, and definitely hard to replace a horse like that. I don't know that he'll ever be replaced. I have people ask me all the time, you know, which one was better, Jaws or Amigo? And I have to go with Amigo, as great as Jaws was. Everybody loved Jaws. He was awesome. I loved him. But just the longevity that Amigos had. Um, the amount of things that I've been able to do on him. And like I said, his, there wasn't a scenario that, in my opinion, he wasn't the best at. Um, it didn't matter if it was short score, long score, um, practicing, whatever I wanted him to do, he was awesome at it. I can't speak highly enough of him. Yeah, even Trevor Brazil can catch two feet on him, that's for sure. That is, that's the reason we painted him on the wall. It had nothing to do with any more than that. Trevor could catch on him. Man, he is amazing. So... Trevor has ridden him several times at the timed event. He's won the timed event so many times. I don't even know how many times it had to do with Amigo, but I do recall one time that I tried to get him to ride Amigo there. And he's like, no, I'm going to ride this horse here. And he, uh, he missed riding that other horse. He wouldn't have missed on Amigo. And then he lost his rope on this other horse too, and he wouldn't have done that on Amigo either. So he has ridden him several times there. Um, I know if he was sitting here, he would – uh, attribute a lot of you know good things to Amigo and uh, his success as far as the timed event goes and especially as far as our team roping career goes I know that he would have a lot of good things to say about Amigo he loves him on the grass he talks about him at Pendleton you know and I won Pendleton on him he's one of the only horses I've ever seen that slides as much as he slides but you can ride him on the grass and he just knows how to move his feet man he's a he really is a special animal I've actually let my dad heal some on him in the last couple of years um my very first year that I let my dad run on him, and my dad's a number four healer that hadn't doesn't rope very much and didn't even start roping until he was over 50 years old. So I let him run four steers on Amigo one day, and he runs the first two steers, catches two feet both times and dallies and goes, man, no wonder you've done good. This is, I had no idea. I thought you were better than you were. This is easy. So uh, he just was talking about how, you know, what a difference it really does make. He's like, I had no idea, but... My kids have ridden him. Eli, my little boy, is five years old. I let him ride him around. 
I will tell you a little funny story about him. You have to be careful with him because he is super gentle, um, easy to be around. I mean, kids can go jump on him bareback. It doesn't matter. But, man, when you get in the arena and you get boot him up and cinch him up, he's a, he's a victory lap and a warm-up crazy. I'm talking about this horse is crazy. I look like I'm two-handed reins. I'm sure that you guys, some of you have probably seen it or witnessed it. Trevor's always made fun of it. But, I mean, he looks like a runaway when you go into a victory lap or a, uh, you know, any kind of a warm-up where I'm going to blow him out a little bit and get some speed. He goes crazy. So my brother brought his stepsons over here one day. One of them is seven years old, and I'm letting him ride my horse around. One of the guys that was helping me that day is getting Amigo ready for me. Well, this kid's on him. I'm roping, not really paying attention. He puts his boots on him, cinches him up a little bit, and... (laughs) This little kid is sitting at the back of the arena. I run a steer on this other horse and Dally, and all I see is a blur go by. And I turn and look. This kid has never ridden horses. I mean, he's only been on one horse in his life. And he looks like Whiplash the monkey, both hands on the saddle horn, hunched over the saddle. How he stays on him, I don't know. But Amigo makes a full lap around the arena as fast as he can possibly go. And I'm just in panic mode, you know, thinking this kid's fixing to hit the fence or go flying. He hangs on, and Amigo goes to the very end of the arena, turns, and I'm thinking, please stop, please stop. He's just head down, headed right back at me. Uh, but really cool, the kid, kid stays on. I lope in front of Amigo, and I just holler woe to him, and he does. He just stops and rides right next to me, and this kid's eyes are bugged out of his head. Not crying, nothing, smiling. He's like, man, that was fun. <laughs> But uh, definitely means business when you get in the arena. So super gentle. I want my kids to ride him, but they need to learn to be careful because he's still got some fire for sure. He doesn't have a buddy. He's kind of a loner. He does have his own pen. All my horses that uh, my good horses, I keep them in their own pen. Amigo has his name on his gate. Um, I do plan on moving him down a little bit. I've got some pens a little further down that has a back gate that opens up into a larger trap of a couple acres. And that's kind of my plan for him. He's going to get a lot of green grass and a lot of moving around. But um, it's funny because I want to build him, you know, I wanted to build him this just fancy, nice stall and have all this stuff, but that's just not who he is. He needs to move around. And uh, But his future is definitely going to be on the Smith Ranch, I can tell you that. He's not going anywhere. He's a horse that even the day that he's done, I wouldn't take any amount of money for him. He means too much to me and to Christy and all my kids. They love him. and enjoy being around him and like I said we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him I have had a lot of people try to buy him over the years Um, most of them were people that didn't know me really well you know I'd just have somebody come and ask about him or ask if there was any amount of money that I would sell him and uh, wouldn't have sold him for anything because you either you either want to seems like when people get really good horses they get a lot of offers and things you know come about as far as different people wanting to come in there and try to get them out from under you but I remember when somebody was trying to buy buy Jaws from me when I was younger and I sat down with Speed Williams who at the time was just dominating every single rodeo and we went to lunch at a place and this was a huge decision for me because it was a lot of money more money than I'd ever seen in my life and I was broke so I asked him should I sell Jaws he goes well I've been where you are and I remember those days but I can tell you this if you want to make some good money right now, sell it. If you want to rope for a living, don't sell it. And 
that was pretty simple. I wanted to rope for a living, and man, what a decision that was because that very next year is the year I started my rodeo career off in 2003. And then uh, had it not been for me keeping jaws, I would have I would have never known what to look for in Amigo. But uh, when I got Amigo, I did have several people try to buy him. In the beginning, I had people try to buy him, but after a while, I think people realized, man, there's there's no way that anybody would sell that horse. So, Well, obviously, best memories to me and team roping, if your goals are winning World's Championships, which that was my goal, uh, my biggest memory with Amigo would be in 2010, just a fairy tale year. Uh, we had an amazing finals and set records at that point in time. We were the highest NFR earners and uh, placed an 8 out of 10 go-rounds at the NFR. Uh, just the memories of, of riding that horse, all 10 rounds. Uh, seemed like every time we rode in there, we placed. I mean, those are the things you don't forget. And then leaving there, I do remember uh, leaving there with him and just standing outside and taking a picture of him in front of the Thomas and Mac. And just, it's funny how fast time goes by, but you do. You got to appreciate those moments because uh, they're not always going to be there. Same, another great memory on him was winning the American uh, with Caleb Driggers. I did the same thing. I remember riding across with the saddle and all the stuff that we'd won there and what an amazing, you know, feat and feeling that that was that night. I took a picture of, of him in front of the AT&T Stadium and just always have tried to, uh, you know, have a tribute to him that, that he's been, you know, a lot of guys, would, I think sometimes until you don't have a good one, you don't realize how much of a part they play in, in these guys' career. And uh, I can't tell you how many guys I've seen that, rope unbelievable or super talented and they lose their number one horse and man then they just become another guy out there entering and until you've experienced that and been through it you don't really realize how important these animals can be but they're they're something so yeah I definitely have had a lot of fond memories with him but those are two that stand out a lot to me well I definitely think the future of horses in the sport is changing because they're just getting harder and harder to find I think social media changed the game and the reason it did is you know guys used to be able to go and buy a colt for pretty cheap and ride them for six months and make something out of them and sell them for quite a bit of money and uh, it was a good investment for the buyer and also a good deal for the seller I mean you could make some money and now people understand the value of these animals and how hard they are to find Um, and the rope horse deal just seems like it just keeps elevating the money that's out there for every level I mean, just like I said, the deal with the American and the amount of money that's involved in that and now the NFR raising the money the way they have and all these team ropings that are going on and truck ropings and people are understanding that they can do what they love to do at the level that they can, you know, that they're able to do it and compete for large amounts of money and the mentality of the $8,500 horse is dying. I mean, it's just... You can find an $8,500 horse, but you're not going to be able to compete on them anymore because when you get out there and you're competing against people that are looking for certain type, the way they're bred, the way that they are trained, and the amount of money that it costs to go and get a horse trained and all those things is is tying in. And Great horses make you or break you. That's all there is to it. And having a good horse, I, I can't stress enough the importance of it because I know so many people that will go buy four ten thousand dollar hill horses and can't win on any of them, but they won't spend thirty or forty thousand on one good one. And really and truly, thirty and forty thousand is becoming nothing anymore. You know, I, I remember the day that I bought Jaws. He was six thousand dollars. 
and I was stressed out, got a loan for it, working at Chili's to make my payment. And I was like, that's crazy. I can't believe I paid $6,000 for a horse. And now here we are, you're hearing of people paying hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's just no different than the barrel racing industry or the racehorse industry or cutting horse industry. They're all going to continue to elevate uh, and get more and more expensive. But one thing that I'll attribute a lot of my career to also is head horses. I've been behind some of the greatest head horses that there have been. Um, a saying that some of us like to say is great healers don't just find good headers, they find great head horses. And that has a lot to do with it. You know, I got to heal for T. Woman when he was on Megazord. I got to heal for Clay Trine when he was on Thumper. Um, Travis Trine was my second partner when he had Walt. And man, you want to talk about make a healer's life easier, get behind those type horses. Um, got to ride, rope with Trevor over the years. Fortunate to have Sikkim and Boogie, two of the other greats in my opinion. And man, there's just nothing like it when you back in there and you know that you've got that kind of horse in front of you. But one of the cool things is, is through most of those horses, I was on Amigo. And it was just so nice to always have that, you know, something that great underneath me every time we go and, and then get to heal behind those. Again, I wouldn't be here. Those horses, you take those head horses away or take that heel horse away, uh, they mean that much. And I think it's important for people to understand, man, quit, quit struggling on the mediocre stuff, trying to be great, find the right kind of horses because that makes a big difference. Thanks again to the Bob Feist Invitational for sponsoring this episode of The Score with Patrick Smith and Amigo. We can't wait to see you all in Reno. We'll be covering the event on TeamRappingJournal.com and across our social channels, and you can watch it all live on the Wrangler Network. Don't forget to look for our podcast with the big winners the week following the event. Thank you again to the BFI, and thank you all for listening.